This is Concepts, where two pretentious sirs quibble over ideas that explain today's world. Phil Shea and Steve Rose. Welcome to the Concepts Podcast. Welcome. Today's episode is familiar to many people, especially those who read self-help stuff. It is the growth versus fixed mindsets. Nice. Love it. This is both of our wheelhouses. Yeah. Yeah. Though I ended up doing some research because I always feel compelled to do some. And I primarily took from a blog called Brain Pickings. It's a fairly famous blog where I don't remember the name of the author. She basically writes about whatever she feels like. And somehow that got enough traction. Maria Popova, that's her name. Okay. So she reviewed this book called Mindset by Carol Dweck, who is a PhD. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not familiar with her, but it sounds like you are. Mm Mm-hmm. What do you know about her? The name's familiar. I, I believe she she does work on grit. Nope, that's Angela Duxworth. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry, Duckworth. I, I don't know if there's an S in there. But yeah, she's on actually another podcast. Just a shout out to them is No Stupid Questions with her and Stephen Dubner, the guy from Freakonomics. Pretty good podcast. Oh, right, right. Nice, nice. They have what I would aspire to, which is where they just say stuff in the podcast and then somebody else afterwards looks it all up. And then at the end of the episode, it goes through everything they mention and specifically singles out those things. Ugh. I don't want to add that to my workload of this already. No. So I'm not going to be doing that just yet. When we start making money, I will hire somebody. Yes. We can, we can only dream. Yes, that's a dream worth having. It's a stretch goal yes. eventually. Yes. Supposing this ever makes money ever. 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 <laughs> All right. So I think we should probably define what a growth versus a fixed mindset is. We've been failing or I've, I've been failing to do that so succinctly at the beginning of these episodes. <laughs> so I took a quote from Brain Pickings and she's referencing the book. And so I will begin with a quote from Brain Pickings. A fixed mindset assumes that our character, intelligence, and creative ability are static givens, which we can't change in any meaningful way. And success is the affirmation of that inherent intelligence, an assessment of how those givens measure up against an equally fixed standard. Striving for success and avoiding failure at all costs become a way of maintaining the sense of being smart or skilled. And then the other flip side, another quote, a growth mindset, on the other hand, thrives on challenge and sees failure not as evidence of unintelligence, but as a heartening springboard for growth and for stretching our existing abilities. And so they kind of argue that from those stances, you can have a lot of knock-on effects that can dramatically change the outcome of a life and that we actually adopt them very early on. No, that's huge. And the perfectionism that you can often see associated with the the fixed mindset versus the learning from failures uh, in the kind of openness you see with uh, the growth mindset. Yeah. I think it extends to almost every domain because I guess I kind of see it like you're a video game character where you picked your stats and then nothing really changes it <laughs> outside of that. Though I don't really understand how they think that's true. I, honestly, I, I, it blows my mind trying to think about how somebody would aspire or believe that they have the fixed mindset. And it's often not stated. And I think that's how it kind of pervades in their lives. But it's weird because it's obvious that children are not as good as adults at things. But I guess it always kind of comes back in adult minds to the idea of talent, which I will get to eventually. Mm, Yes. But first, I have a couple more quotes that I thought might be interesting to discuss. So this is a quote from Dweck, the book directly. Quote, 
It can determine whether you become the person you want to be and whether you accomplish the things you value. Believing that your qualities are carved in stone, the fixed mindset, creates an urgency to prove yourself over and over. If you have only a certain amount of intelligence, a certain personality, and a certain moral character, well, then you'd better prove that you have a healthy dose of them. End quote. I should probably <laughs> don't close my quotes enough. Everything to me seems to boil down to, am I a winner or am I a loser? Yeah. Like the black and white thinking there. Yeah, exactly. As we, well, you and I know, but maybe the audience doesn't. Black and white thinking is, although this is actually kind of a black and white thought, is almost universally bad. <laughs> it, <laughs> it can Irony. it can yeah it can be useful but I, i'm sure in some contexts <laughs> but in most contexts it seems to not really apply and seems to lead people astray because <laughs> the more i've learned about the world the more i see that everything is a shade of gray and some yeah there's some bright lines here and there but it's often negotiable depending on context. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. And, and the black and white thinking is the exact opposite of that, where people try to create certainty or it's all or nothing. Like this person is all good or all bad. They're an evil person or they're great. There's no kind of, right. well, they're a good person that does some bad things sometimes. There's no shades of gray. No. Yeah. And that black and white thinking kind of being associated with that fixed mindset of I'm a winner or I'm nothing. <laughs> Yeah. And you could see how, and again, going back to men defining themselves, I spoke about this in the last, maybe both podcast episodes, but men defining themselves as their jobs. And oh, yeah. I guess that actually was more of the fox and the hedgehog. We were talking about these people who see this as their domain. Mm -hmm. They feel that they have to come out ahead and win whatever it is they see as a contest about being right or whatever. They don't actually care about the truth because that would be evidence of them being dumb. One question I have written down here, well, two questions uh, about it boiling down to being between winners and losers. For one, what use is practice for people who believe that you can't grow or that this is all you have? Like, what is practice then? But then that one I didn't really want to dwell on. I guess obviously the answer is not not very useful. Ooh. But the question I wanted to, to explore was what is a loser? Do losers exist? What do you think? What is a loser? Uh, like Like somebody calling themselves a loser? Like I'm a loser? Well, I guess, yeah. Like what, besides like the obvious, like they always lose, but I don't even think that that, that fits, honestly. Like in real life, if we think about things more nuanced, like what is a loser actually? Does a loser actually exist? Can you be a loser? Hmm. And if so, what would that even look like? Well, it's interesting that you're using the phrase as kind of an identity, like I am a loser. I would tend to rephrase it as I have lost frequently recently. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Versus making it into an identity. Yeah. I guess the only way it can really fit for someone to be a loser is to say certain identity features would be loser-like or conducive to losing. To me, I guess, I, I, I've already thought about this, obviously, because I posed the question, but did you want to try some more on that or should I just give mine? Well, I'm pretty much saying that it's an unhelpful way to identify yourself. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Oh, I, I, well, that's the thing though. Like I never, I never stipulated that it had to be about yourself. It could be about somebody else. Hmm. Yeah. I would say it doesn't exist in that it's more helpful to look at it as something that has happened to you over time, but not as a black and white, you are this inherently, you know? While I agree that it's not helpful to identify yourself as that, it is helpful possibly to use it on other people, potentially. <laughs> the same function. Tell me more. Well, because it's the same function as shame, right? Like okay. shame 
as a role, like you shouldn't use it as like a parenting strategy, but societally speaking, shame evolved in our species without having to get the law involved or like the state. It's a way to control certain behaviors. Like you shouldn't be shitting on people's lawns. If you did that <laughs> and people know you did it, you're going to be shamed for it and you deserve that shame. Okay. Got it. I think in that context, it is actually useful. So should you just wait, let's back up again. Okay. So should you be shamed if you are doing that or should people ask you, what is going on with you right now that would make you want to do something like that? And should they be helped rather than shamed? I guess some would argue that shame is helping them. I think it would be better to help them. Is I it? mean, it depends on how egregious the act is. Obviously, shitting on somebody's lawn is going to be so out there that, yeah, there's probably something going on there. And we should probably discuss that and approach them. We should, we should, we should like in reality, should we shame someone who's doing that? I think there's some mental health problems. Okay. I think you're jumping too much on this particular topic. I, I okay. just mean there are instances like if somebody yeah. keeps making rude comments about people's weight, you could probably shame them for being such a dick about shaming other people. <laughs> That's a better example. Okay. I just wanted to make sure this, the, the, the example was more solid. Oh, whatever. <laughs> just make it sh- Okay. So anyway, back to the question. Cause yeah, I, I don't know how much time you actually have today, given that you were late again. Good an hour. I'm, I'm leaving that in. I've been editing it out so far. Uh, okay. So for me, if a loser exists at all, to me, a loser is somebody who refuses to try to change what they're doing, to strive for what they want and to accept defeat. But that last point, especially within reason, because some battles are just a waste of time and energy. So I think generally not being willing to adapt I guess also while simultaneously complaining about it or expressing desire to change and not being willing to put the effort in. But that could actually, ironically, be more of a fixed mindset thing because those people think that they can't escape that. I guess it's not working for them, but they're unwilling to change in any regard. Even if it were easy, those people are losers to me. (laughs) But... Again, I'm going to say that they don't have to perpetually be a loser. They are currently right, they don't a loser. To. But if they were to change these things, like, yes, note that if they were to change and to start trying or to start striving for what they want or to maybe approach things in a more creative way and not give up giving up. That's basically what a loser is to me. Like you have a goal in mind. You tried okay. a little bit, but then you just decide, oh, sour grapes. Like, oh, that's not worth it anyway. Kind of thing that that to me is a loser. Got it. Okay, so and then you're using the word loser to kind of uh, uh, illustrate this the the extreme extent of this fixed mindset. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. I would say so. Okay, okay. Let's stay let's stay on the loser example again as an extreme example. Let's bring in some compassion again, like the lawn feces individual, <laughs> someone who's hopeless and who's gotten to a place of giving up. Could there be some, I guess, underlying mental health situation there where they have tried and then and things have got so tough that they are at a state of hopelessness, almost like suicide? And would that loser label then be necessary even in that situation? I think you're far too primed by your profession to see this as what I'm saying. Yes, obviously, in that case, they might. Okay. They might have something going on. But I'm talking about, <laughs> have you ever met like just a really stubborn asshole? Like a really stubborn person who will not explain <laughs> anything. They will not take any other person's input. They just say, this is how it is. Nope, can't do it. Yeah, okay. Maybe there's some mental health going on there, but the thing is, if they function normally, they yeah. it would be See, not otherwise specified. Yeah. It would not be something that would actually show up on any real tests. So it, yeah. you could still be compassionate. I don't think 
where I might be going wrong here is that if you say loser, yeah. it's not a helpful term. <laughs> it, nope. You shouldn't even say that to the person, but I would say nope. the archetype of the loser would be this okay. to me. Yeah. I, I, I actually get your argument and I, I see the flexibility in it. And I'm just so hesitant to use that word because it comes with so much baggage. Yeah. I'm only basically exploring the idea because the fear is to be a loser for the fixed mindset because they think this is all I have and I can't get any more of it and I don't want people to know about it. So I have another quote from Dweck, quote, do people with this mindset believe that anyone can be anything, that anyone with proper motivation or education can become Einstein or Beethoven? No, but they believe that a person's true potential is unknown and unknowable, that it's impossible to foresee what can be accomplished with years of passion, toil and training, end quote. Yep. Is this the growth mindset? Yes, this is the counterpoint because I know that people are going to think that the believe it and you can do it is going to be like kind of, I even I bring up the secret actually later in this in my notes, the secret or think and grow rich, Napoleon Hill, these kinds of ideas. It's, it's not the same as that. Mm-hmm. Might as well get into it now. Think and grow rich and the secret both focus on just intent, just focusing on the idea of it. And I can see some value in that. Supposing that focusing on this goal and keeping it in mind and making it like a smart goal, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time sensitive, that don't don't worry about that. I'll link to it, but just as a refresher, just something that's specific that you can actually move toward and is actually realistic. I think if you do that and you fixate on that, then yes, you will start taking steps moving forward. And that's the only value I can see in this. However, the secret does take it a bit further. I have not read the book, but I have read about it. Hmm. They believe that just by the intention of a conscious being will signal to the universe and the universe will provide, which I I don't buy. I think this differentiates from that in ways that you can probably find (laughs) pretty obvious, right? Yeah, the whole metaphysical piece goes beyond reality and it it can make you just not take action because you're kind of almost entitled because it's like I thought it yeah everything happens for a reason I thought of it so hard that it's going to happen the universe will provide it I don't know it's not realistic no yeah not realistic another counterpoint I thought I thought people might come up with was um so basically when I'm doing research for this, I'm thinking about any possible questions you might come up with and any possible objections that might come up. <laughs> Did you think of my lawn feces objection? Uh, no, because I didn't think of that example until I said it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the, the other objection was that people, especially in the tech community or startup community, <laughs> they say uh, fail faster, right? Fail faster. Get, oh, just, I like that Gets one. to the point of failure. Yep. I, yep, I fail think fast, it too. does... Well, it does need some caveats. It does need some add-ons to that because I think what they mean, and again, you have to steel man these, either take them at their best interpretation, is that you need to ditch or modify bad ideas to make it into something better. So if it's obviously a failed idea, don't continue running at it. But also at the same token, don't start something with the intent of failing. Like (laughs) I think we mentioned this earlier that we were doing this badly. Yeah but we're doing this to the best of our ability. No, I'm doing it with the intent of failing. Well, then you're dumb. Why am I, why do I have you on here? <laughs> Cause I have a growth mindset. <laughs> no, but you don't grow from purposely failing. I don't know if you're playing devil's no, advocate. I'm, or... I'm not purposely failing. I'm just exaggerating. Yeah. You're joking. Good. Dumb. <laughs> okay. So am I a loser? Um, if you were constantly purposely failing and purposely tanking other people in a nihilistic way that was just self-serving for your own position in the world. Yeah. I would say you are a loser. Yes. Yeah. If you, Oh, there's okay. another, another form of loser is somebody that consciously tries to make other people fail and just relishes in the, the sadism of it. Those people I would say are losers. Got it. Yes. 
But it does make me think of a quote because like the, the most favorable interpretation of that is a quote. I don't remember who it was by, but those who have given up on their dreams will encourage you to give up on yours. Mm. And that's the whole quote. That's because they think they're saving you the hurt of trying and not not achieving, not attaining your goals. Oh, nice. It's a compassionate way of looking at things. Wait, which is the person trying to stop you or my interpretation of it? It's interpreting the person trying to stop you in... in the best possible light as the, as in they're not sadistic, that they're just trying to prevent you from, hmm. from uh, the pain of failure. I think they're both being compassionate. I mean, my interpretation that way is compassionate, but as well, the person trying to stop you thinks they're being compassionate, right? Yes. They think they're helping you. Exactly. Yeah. Versus interpreting that person as just uh, sadistic and bad. They're just naysayers. But I mean, sometimes they are like some, actually it does talk about how one of the dichotomies was that for the success of others, people with a fixed mindset will feel threatened by the success of others while others find lessons and inspiration from the success of others. This might be conflating two concepts though, because like whether you think the pie is limited or if the pie can get bigger and more people can have some of it, that might not have to do with necessarily with growth versus fixed mindset, but you can see how it might come from a fixed mindset since they don't think that value can be created and we can't grow. So maybe that extends past the individual. Right. Yeah. So growth mindsets are what we should be striving for. Fixed mindsets are what generally keep us stuck or, you know, feeling bad about ourselves if we don't succeed. So what are some practical strategies that we could use to get ourselves out of these, these, uh, fixed mindsets? I will get to that. (laughs) Okay. I can't wait. I need to know. I know you, you're just, you're jumping, chomping at the bit champing at the bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, actually one thing that I found interesting was there was an experiment. Um, and this leads into what we can do with children at least. Okay. There was an experiment where they got kids to solve a puzzle. It was a fairly easy puzzle. Then they praised them based on two factors. One, they said, you tried really hard at that. And the other one, they said, wow, you're really smart. So the difference is one is an inherent trait. You're smart. And the other one is something that can be changed based on effort. Okay, you you tried really hard at that. And so then after that, they asked them whether they wanted to try the original puzzle again, a simple puzzle that they got already on the first try, basically, or if they wanted to try a more challenging puzzle. I'm I'm assuming you can guess where this is going. Yeah, I think I've heard a very similar experiment uh, in terms of you, you praise them for inherently being good at the puzzle. Uh, it's more of the fixed instilling a fixed mindset versus praising their effort. You're encouraging a growth mindset and the ones who got the praise for their effort versus their inherent skill, I'm, I'm assuming likely uh, did better in the long term, correct? I believe so, but I think that's like the entire thesis of the book. It makes me think, though, of times when people have called me smart or competent in some way and then immediately doing something stupid in front of them. <laughs> I've done that a bunch of times. I remember in China, I was just starting teaching there. And my Chinese co-teacher had said that she heard that I was Songming, mm-hmm. which was like, uh, what? <laughs> which Songming means smart. So she just said, oh, I heard you're very smart and that you're studying Chinese. And then I'm like, huh? <laughs> I have no idea what she just said. And that's like a really basic word that I should have known. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I, what I'm getting to... <laughs> What I'm getting to with this is like, if somebody calls you smart, you don't want to do like, you don't want to shatter that belief. Oh, this person thinks I'm smart. Okay. Well, I don't want to continue trying in front of them. I don't want to continue opening myself up to potentially looking like an idiot. So I'm just going to stop. And you have to walk on eggshells around that person. So I, I see, I see where 
where the compliments based on someone's inherent ability, like you are inherently good or smart or whatever at this thing, it sets you up in a perfectionistic mindset where it's like, oh no, they think this of me. Now I have to preserve it. And you get in a very self-preservation mindset versus being willing to to mess up and fail and try different things. For sure. And I think now that I think about it, that in that moment, I, I didn't really care that much. I did feel a little bit embarrassed about it. Yeah. It, it seems like that would be a huge thing because you're trying to preserve your ego in that moment. And ego preservation, I think that's a really key piece of all this is a fixed mindset is really built around an ego and the preservation of that ego. Good humor. What's that? Like having a good humor about yourself, not not taking yourself too seriously. Right. And that would be the growth mindset, which is right. the, the opposite of that self-preservation of the ego. Yeah. So taking yourself lightly, uh, wearing your identity like a light cloak that can be cast away at any moment. I'm partly here quoting um, Weber, a sociologist in... Uh, yeah, I was going to say, are you just going to like throw that quote out there and then pretend it was your own words? <laughs> Protestant as, yeah, Protestant ethic in the spirit of capitalism. Uh, Max Weber, um, classical sociologist. Okay, okay. He's <laughs> classical... <laughs> But he uses that to talk about wearing, keep wearing your possessions lightly. And that's the kind of Protestant ethic of, of, uh, of not really being identified with your possessions, but building God's kingdom on earth. But I'm, I'm, uh, applying this to your identity category. Like you can fill up, it's like filling up a bag full of labels, which is like your ego. And you're trying to preserve that bag of, of labels with people who are trying to like snatch it from you and you're like no and you're like a very miserly person with your money bags of identity labels uh, versus someone who's just kind of like wearing them like a light cloak just throwing them around taking it boomeranging them around whatever kind of seeing them as bouncy balls they can play with and toss away if they need to yeah 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 bouncing a ball around yeah Versus like the money bag, more durable the money bags, whereas money bags you're talking about, it seems like he's got a bunch of glass in that, that bag. Yeah. Don't take my money bags versus this, uh, this kind of playful approach to the, the identity category. <laughs> I don't know if he's necessarily like in my mind, I guess what I'm thinking about this, matching it to this topic, it's more like they're afraid that somebody's going to take it from them, but also they could trip at any moment and just shatter them all. Cause even just a misstep can cause all these things to be taken away from them in this mindset. For instance, if you make a mistake at work, then, Oh no, suddenly you're incompetent, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, and this, this is like a huge piece of, of counseling with clients. It's, it's one of the main topics is the weight of having to bear these identity labels that were largely instilled uh, early on in, in early childhood, getting praise for one's inherent ability to do X. And we see this huge in sports mm-hmm. and neither of us play sports or are involved in in kind of that culture. Did you do any real sports when you were younger? Uh, taekwondo, but it, it was, it was a little different. You know, the, the hockey and the soccers of the world are, are there. It's a whole different category, particularly for, for children who are aspirational into the professional leagues and all, all, all that, where the pressure really mounts. And right. you could, this is one of the themes that I've seen with, um, 
it's huge it's with professional sports is instilling these types of rigid social comparison oriented identity categories, which act almost as like this, this iron cage, not to quote <laughs> Max Weber again, uh, the iron cage of identity versus the light cloak identity, you know, mm, so they're trapped in it. Trapped. I was going to move into was uh, talent and how it's, I called it a mythic salve, nice. <laughs> something that doesn't really exist, but people use it to soothe their bruised egos at times because the way I'm, I'm going about this. So you just wait. So you're, you're saying talent is in your, in your words, a mythic salve. Yeah. I'm saying it's a concept that people like to lean on a lot and yeah, I guess you could argue it exists, but it's almost meaningless to buy into that whole mindset to me. Who will get further, the greatest talent who doesn't put any effort in or a relentless idiot, a relentless buffoon? I mean, it should be evident that let's even the playing field, an average person who isn't especially talented versus mm. somebody who is exceptionally talented at that thing. I would argue that the average person who continues to try and doesn't give up yeah. often actually will continue persisting much longer because they don't automatically get the accolades and they're doing it because they actually enjoy it. Whereas a lot of talented people, they like it a bit, but they're not really push. Like they're not going to push themselves that much because everyone's already telling them they're amazing. That goes to like the whole the the good is the enemy of the great concept. Um, at least one interpretation of yeah. it. Yeah, that is huge. Yeah, people who identify as particularly talented are being told that all the time, hmm. and I can relate to playing the piano growing up like you are so talented you are great at this and you you get the constant drip of validation which almost makes you just like well i'm already great i don't need to learn any more songs <laughs> yeah i'm good i got my bag of tricks yeah this is impressive to people. Yeah, I got a bag of tricks that are pretty impressive but i didn't i kind of didn't go beyond the you know four or five different songs that I got really good at. So that almost instilled a fixed mentality where I was done and <laughs> take, take it out of the oven. He's done, you know? Yeah. All finished. Nowhere to go from here. No finished. He's talented and he's finished. And I just pull out my bag of tricks, my miserly bag of tricks. <laughs> yeah. Don't steal my songs. You know, nobody else can learn these songs. And then I'd get, I would get my validation and then not really practice much of the time. <laughs> right. So this makes me think of the next quote to the fixed mindset quote, effort is a bad thing. It like failure means you're not smart or talented. If you were, you wouldn't need effort in the other world. Effort is what makes you smart or talented end quote. So the first world being fixed mindset and the other world being the growth mindset where they see basically in the growth mindset, failure is a setback while in the, the static mindset, it's just a mar on your reputation, just proof that you are not good in that way. And actually in some weird way that some people in the fixed mindset believe that even working, even putting in effort to fix something is actually showing your hand. You're showing other people that you're weak in this area and you could be attacked there. Mm. So that also does not really work well with collaboration. Mm. Because you wouldn't want to collaborate because you're exposing yourself to potentially people seeing like, oh, he's maybe not that great or he has to, he has to try. Look, he's, he's trying. He's staying up late for the project. It actually made me think right now of, um, yeah, you're, you're right. I'm just going to random tangent first. I read this book called warrior, soldier, magician. Yeah. I don't remember. It's this book where it talks about. I remember that. Yeah. Jungian archetypes, Jungian archetypes where 
it made me think at one point I, I had maybe a more fixed mindset because in it, it talked about like the wizard, which I think I am probably closest to that archetype, which is mostly focused on knowledge, the good wizard and the bad wizard. There's each archetype was good and bad. From what I remember, this was like half a decade ago. The good wizard likes to share ideas and collaborate with people and understand new things and hopefully come up with new ideas by fusing them together. Whereas the dark wizard, which at that point I was kind of on this knife's edge between the two, the dark wizard hoards knowledge and does not share it because they don't want other people to have it and they kind of become like a mm. information broker. They have key information and maybe they'll sell you like a, a tiny tidbit, but they still won't give you the whole picture mm. because they feel like it helps them. Yes. And I feel like this this kind of plays into that because if you're afraid of people knowing more or getting an edge and if the pie is only so big and you want to get the biggest slice, this would be a great way to do that. Yeah, I really see this this huge, not to always bring it back to grad school, but it's just reminding me of the approach to knowledge there tended to be that very hoarding and, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to put this out unless I copyright it and, oh, don't steal my ideas. And it was very much oriented toward that versus what I've actually done. The exact opposite of that is just publishing all of my best ideas publicly on my website, yeah. which really it leads to a lot of plagiarism. I guarantee you, <laughs> I guarantee you. Even your students. Yeah, yeah that story. <laughs> you have to tell it. Turns it turns out. <laughs> but if you can, can you do it without stripping it down? Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, it was a while ago uh, when I was teaching at Eastern Michigan University. I... Um, had the students do uh, a short little paper on a, a sociological concept. And this particular person decided to do it on, I think, Durkheim's view of happiness, which if you type that into Google, Durkheim's view of happiness, you get my article as the top one. So the student actually copied my my website article and submitted a big chunk of it plagiarized. And as I was reading through it, it became very apparent that this was directly from my website, in which case I gave the, the feedback plagiarism from here, my website and didn't hear anything else from that. But yes, no, no, no. I do remember more to the story. You told them if they had a problem with the zero, you gave them that they should go to a particular office. And then later she was asking you, I think at a different class, what time that office was open. And you said, well, you no, don't go there. She got mad at you because you had told her to basically turn herself in for plagiarism, which would get her in serious trouble. And you had given her just a slap on the wrist. And she was like, well, why would you tell me to do that? Oh, this was a different situation of plagiarism where uh, she, I, I, I gave her a little slap on the wrist and then she was like, where do I grieve this? And I'm like, well, this office, which is the office that would likely kick you out of the university if they found out you did it. So, yeah, the student would be turning themselves in if they went to that office. Yeah. The book I was thinking of is King, Warrior, Magician, Lover by Robert Moore. Okay. I'm glad you specified that. Yeah, I know. Everyone needs to know this. So uh, so if I had a fixed mindset, I wouldn't be publishing my ideas uh, publicly. Right. Uh, but I have a growth mindset. Therefore, I get plagiarized. Yeah. And what's the benefit of this growth mindset? Because now people can plagiarize me. This is not good. Are you asking or are you going to are you going to argue? it? I'm playing devil's advocate on myself. I'm like, what really are the benefits? <laughs> now I'm just getting plagiarized. So what would you argue in favor of this situation? Oh, frankly, I think most people are too lazy. And yeah, that you might get plagiarized. But the thing is, I find that the more I put my ideas out there, whether it's a startup thing or 
I don't know, a blog or a story. Yeah, somebody might take it. But frankly, most people are kind of lazy. <laughs> like for I remember my one roommate who was also in the startup community and more of a tech guy, also named Phil, <laughs> funny enough. Uh, he basically told me that what they had taught him was hiding your idea and not telling it to people was actually the very worst thing you can do. And I've come to agree with that because even if I have a great idea, if it's an absolutely amazing idea, people will tell me it's a bad idea and they will tell me not to do it because they, they won't necessarily see the value in it when there could clearly be value. Suppose they even did see it as a good idea. They might just be like, yeah, do it. But most people are not going to step up and do anything. Most people don't want to. <laughs> so I don't think that there's any real risk of that. If anything, I find telling people ends up finding me like-minded people. It finds mm. me resources. People will tell me ideas that they've have that's related and they'll just give me stuff that will be useful in the future. Like I did the same thing with my, my short stories and if nothing else, because short stories, people aren't going to usually steal that because it's often not very good. But in doing that, at least you show it shows yourself that like nothing bad is really going to happen. And if anything, maybe you could be like an inspiring example to other people who see how bad you were at the beginning and how far you end up ended up coming. Yeah, no, that's I, I see the I see that side of it, too, because being afraid that someone's going to steal, it assumes that everyone is trying to. Well, everyone is untrustworthy as well, that it is valuable to the point that people want to steal it. Or even if it is valuable, whether people are willing to take the actions, you know. Right. But in addition, it also is often, I find, coveted in a way, your own ideas, because people seem to think that they will not have another big idea. This will be the only one. That's that's one of the reasons why people don't want to share these mm. things. Like, they, oh, if they take that, then I'm done. Like, I can't do anything else. But that's not true. Right. It's like my five songs. If somebody else learns them, I'm no longer unique. Yeah. I'm no longer special. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think also one of the things I see my sister do sometimes is she she really likes stars and musicians especially. And I'm not disparaging this necessarily, mm -hmm. but I, I just don't think it's a great idea, which is there are a lot of myths around these basically like modern day gods of sorts, aka celebrities. And one of them often like I'm thinking of the killers. OK, I don't know the story behind this. On record, apparently the first song they ever completed mm -hmm. was Mr. Brightside. No way. That's how the myth goes. I I don't know if it's true or not, but let's suppose that's true. That's the first song they finished. Okay. What is that? Well, one, they put on that thing finished. What, what do they mean by that? Did they have just like a bunch of pieces or did they, did they have some finalized versions, but they kept tweaking it over years and years of revisions? Because the way this, this myth is often told is that it came out fully formed, a amazing, perfect song and no real touching to it. But that's probably not the story. It sounds like a, like a perfectionistic fixed mindset. That's probably not the reality of the situation and if it is well good for them it's very rare <laughs> i honestly i can't see it being the case unless like <clears throat> unless they all came from a number of different bands and they were all like basically proficient experts at that time which i don't think they were so i, I don't buy it but it's a nice story uh, but maybe a misleading one which can lead other people uh, into uh, false expectations of their own performance yeah Exactly. One area I did want to talk about here was that some domains that people may not look at as areas where you could grow would be relational and romantic, which I'm, I'm not talking about sex, though, of course, that would be included because it's another skill like anything else. But I find that... Again, referencing pickup, it's like we have to do it every friggin' episode. Um, I'm actually going to reference it twice in this episode. Uh, I do find, I, I do find that from me, dating and going out was more <laughs> of a explorative 
process where I ended up connecting with a lot of people and understanding more what they went through. Because like, obviously, women's struggles are different than men's struggles. So being able to connect and talk to them about that ended up giving me a lot broader of a perspective on on life and uh, how things work, at least in this society. And it actually, I, I randomly was starting looking in more into like the dark side of uh, the whole, apparently it's called the seduction community, which I never really called it. If you go past that, where you go into like the mutant territory and everything goes really, again, straight black and white, it, you lead to the incels, <laughs> these infamous incels. Yes. So I, I learned a little bit about them from a YouTuber called ContraPoints, who is apparently a massive YouTuber. So maybe you'll have heard of her. I know you, I've sent some videos too. Yeah. But in this particular one, apparently incels themselves have some sort of, they have a bunch of core tenant beliefs. Apparently they really fixate on bone structure and whether you have that masculine brow ridge just above your eyebrows, they feel like a couple millimeters, they would actually want to get millimeters injected there to increase that brow ridge to make them more attractive and they seem to really fixate on just bone and face structure which is odd but the reason is because they they have taken this fixed mindset to the extreme in the relational sense though they probably wouldn't phrase it that way because the most hateful person in that group to that community is an incel who believes they can become not an incel who can excel in a way that allows them to grow up to be like a full human i guess that will be loved and have relationships they actually really detest those people apparently in some circles because it kind of throws in the face of the other ones that you could fix this but they don't want to hear that they just want to commiserate wow the fixed mindset in that community yeah to the point of it being yeah in, in the skull the brow ridge determining the difference between worthy humans and unworthy humans yeah and it's weird because it's like why would they even assume that any any animal sexuality is purely based off of a single facet like no species is going to survive very long if it's just like single facets like everything is multifaceted especially in this how do they explain ugly ugly guys getting women i guess they always just say they're rich but that's that's dumb it's silly and they could fix their problems if they were to accept that they could fix them. But this is, I guess, maybe I would say they're losers in that way because they, they refuse to acknowledge that they can improve. Okay. But again, it's not helpful. And they really, well, we as a society need to fix that whole thing because, yeah, that's that's uh, not not a good domain for either sex. Yeah, Using the word loser in that context would get a lot of sympathy uh, broadly in the public. Yeah. Because that's generally the the view of it. You know, those people that go out and and shoot out public areas or drive the car and onto the sidewalks from the incel community. Yeah. I think it's, you wouldn't get much, uh, much pushback if you were to use the word loser there. Now back to my compassionate perspective. (laughs) Yeah. I'm hesitant though, because like these people are people that are already widely hated and without supports and the supports they've found are toxic ones. So yeah, you're right. Compassion is required though. I think an examination of uh, masculinity is actually something I, I wanted to talk about. But just going to briefly touch on it. I think right now the problem is we've basically talked about the problems with masculinity, but we have not really emphasized or focused too much on what should be replaced Mm. with. Like we can't have a vacuum. You can't say, don't think about this. Don't think about that. You have to replace it with an idea or something to aim for. And so far, it seems like we figured out, ah, toxic masculinity, ah, the patriarchy. Yet we have not heavily impressed or had too many works that have pushed people towards actual positive masculinity. Yeah. Though, I mean, they're trying, I guess. Yeah. So instead of the advice of just don't be an incel, don't be an incel loser, 
it's more of a, what do you do then? And is it fair to kick someone when they're down, when someone's yeah. in that dark space of, of uh, contemplating that? It's like addiction. Exactly. Exactly. And even, and we can even apply this to, to situations where someone's going out to commit murder. I would take uh, this approach to that even extreme. And you, you might argue, well, even at the most extreme, the person is psychopathic and they can't change. There's some argument that psychopathy cannot be changed, but why not try? You know, <laughs> what's, what's the harm? What's the harm in trying? Well, that particular one, I mean, psychopaths, apparently they don't respond to punishment, but they do respond to reward. However, that is mm-hmm. politically untenable because the arguing we need to build a facility that is specialized for, for psychopaths where we can reward them for good behavior that is not going to fly well with people generally speaking no no so back to like the incel example it's like a fixed uh, the extreme end of a fixed mindset really an extreme example of it Mm -hmm. and to kick someone when they're in that unhelpful though your definition of the concept fitting uh what do we do and so we just not give children compliments of their (laughs) no i've already said that part i will review it later so moving on from incels the the places that i actually hear this the most in my own individual life about talent going back to the whole talent thing is with often with cooking and sometimes with computers and mostly with languages and musical instruments where they say stuff like i always i i wish i could but i just i never had the talent And I guess if I want to give it the best argument, they would say, I I don't have time for that or it's not a priority, but it's never presented in that way. It's always presented as I just don't have the talent, which I got to ask, like, when have you or anybody Mm. anywhere ever seen somebody who's completely new with no transferable overlapping skills? Just pick up something and be better than somebody with basically any level of proficiency, any level of experience. I, I don't think I've ever seen it. People might think they saw it, but chances are they had some previous experience if they were naturally able to do it or they were watching people for a while. Yeah. But it, it it's just not really a thing, man. Exactly. Yeah. And so we, we attribute talent to a situation where the person actually had some experience that is invisible. Right. I mean, like, I guess if, say, you've done a lot of martial arts, many different kinds of martial arts, and then suddenly you go to, say, rock climbing, you're like, I've never done this before. Yeah, okay. But like, you've put a lot of points into physical knowledge and strength and knowing your body. So it would transfer over. I guess this kind of goes back to Gardner's different kinds of intelligences. I think that's where I think that's where my my skill in, in dancing came from was doing uh, Taekwondo, which is, <laughs> you know, doing Taekwondo, which is very leg focused yeah. for several years. And then, however, however, I got to remind you of grade 12 <laughs> soccer, yeah. how with a ball would be coming to be headed, you would try to kick it at the head level and then it would go between your leg and your head because you misgaged it. So you were not good at soccer. But you're good at dancing. So I don't know if that argument holds, but I guess in some respects. <laughs> well, I didn't want to hit it with my head because you get prefrontal cortex damage. No, that is not what you were thinking. At that time, you were definitely <laughs> thinking you didn't want to mess up your hair. <laughs> no, I didn't want to get, I didn't want to hurt my head. Right. All right. Anyway. So I, instead I tried to kick it. Yes. Yeah. Well, I guess the difference also maybe Taekwondo is a lot of kata, which is just the practices I think on your own. So maybe the fact that there was no moving target or anything to interact with, you were better at getting into dancing yeah, solo. I guess, for a bit. I guess it's, it's not a team sport. So yes, I'm good at non-team sports. Yeah. So we're going to do a post on intelligence at some point. 
But here, Dweck quotes a seventh grade girl <clears throat> when asked, I think, what intelligence is. Uh, I don't have the context. I just have the quote. So, quote, I think intelligence is something you have to work for. It isn't just given to you. Most kids, if they're not sure of an answer, will not raise their hand to answer the question. But what I usually do is raise my hand because if I'm wrong, then my mistake will be corrected. Or I will raise my hand and say, how would this be solved? Or I don't get this. Can you help me? Just by doing that, I'm increasing my intelligence. End quote. That's a seventh grader. Ooh, She's really got it, man. That is, that's insightful. Yeah. Uh, actually, another interesting point on that same note from Brain Pickings, I think she's pulling from the book again, but she's not quoting here. So I guess I'm quoting Brain Pickings. Quote, those with a fixed mindset were only interested in hearing feedback that reflected directly on their present ability, but tuned out information that could help them learn and improve. They even showed no interest in hearing the right answer when they had gotten the question wrong because they had already filed it away in the failure category. End quote. Love it. Yes. Reminds me of the difference between narcissism and non-narcissism. Uh, very much narcissism being associated with a fixed mindset of only wanting the good. I don't want to hear the criticism and hmm. criticism comes in. It's like, no, 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 I can't hear that. Yeah. I mean, it can be annoying and painful to get criticisms, but yeah, it depends. Cause I, I find, for instance, when telling people about the podcast, I might've already mentioned this before, but somebody just said, when I told them, they said, that's a really saturated market. That's not helpful. Like constructive criticism, I think it needs to be focused on in particular because sure, it might be competitive, but like, so should I just not do anything? Should I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that, but okay. So examples of growth mindset, you keep asking me for actionable stuff. I do have them. I just save them for the end. Yeah. Cause I mean the takeaways. Okay. So this is the conclusion. Give me the tips. The I just want the tips. The conclusion is after this. So examples of growth mindset. This is from a website called positivepsychology.com which we should probably talk about positive psychology at some point. Yep. So students with a growth mindset may display behaviors like one, asking the teacher to demonstrate a new way to do a math problem Two, volunteering answers in class, even when unsure three, asking a question, even if it might seem basic or stupid. Remember when I kept asking people, what is fire? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I love the stupid question thing. Well, yeah. I mean like, they're like, well, it was fire. You're like, but that's not answering my question. How is it? What is it? <laughs> Four, seeking out problems that will push them instead of problems that keep them safely within their comfort zone. <laughs> yeah. Conclusions. I'm not saying all this as a means to shame people with fixed mindsets, but rather to offer an alternative. Sure. Using the word loser. Well, that was more because they might see themselves as a loser. And I think that it's not possible to be one as long as you keep trying and you keep trying to improve. Ah, okay. Got it. So that's where I was going. After all that I've said, basically my point is none of this is fixed at birth and you can always examine and reassess how you approach things, catching yourself, yes. thinking yeah. self-defeating yeah. thoughts. So you're not, you're not destined to be a loser. You can just fall into loserly tendencies if you choose not to change. Yes, because there are limiting beliefs here. The limiting beliefs, are, I think, is a concept from Buddhism, but it's a belief that stops you from, from advancing, as the name implies. But in this context, the limiting belief would be that you can't improve and this is all you've got. Because if you buy mm -hmm. into that, then you will not improve. You will not push yourself. You will avoid challenges because you'll just see them as further evidence of your stupidity. And that is no way to get ahead in life. So what this means for you, the adult listener of this, presumably. What's it mean for me? For you, well, fine. Well, anybody, adults now, because okay. I have specifically said kids before. For adults, my, my thinking is basically 
all great people throughout history have started as bumbling children. Okay. We, none of us started fully formed coming from our parents just as a competent adults. That's not how it works. All these people are just ordinary people mm-hmm. often with leg ups. Yes, that's true. And yes, if you're in a bad circumstance, then maybe you won't become an Einstein. However, you can still become a variation of that. You can become a great version of yourself that gets there through hard work and effort and blaming the circumstances or blaming external things won't help you. And I know that, yeah, we could, we should, and could still make things more fair. However, dwelling on that's not going to help us. So bottom line, you could be a great individual that will make your mark on history. Supposing you actually continue to push yourself your entire life and don't just rest in your laurels and think that this is all I've gotten. This is all I can do. That's for adults. For kids, however, we need to praise efforts, not inherent skill. Wow, you're really trying hard at that. Or you you were very creative in the way you approach this or something about the actual things they can control because they can't control whether yes. they're smarter or not, depending on how you define intelligence. So I think that is important. Praising things within their control versus praising things that are not within their control. Right. Because praising people for their ability will make them actually avoid exposing their shortcomings. Yeah. But according to Dweck, what makes the growth mindset better is that it creates a passion for learning rather than a hunger for approval. Yes. Love that. Passion for learning rather than a hunger for approval. Let's just take a moment to appreciate that. Yeah, so good. I thought you'd like it. So the final quote, quote, why waste time proving over and over how great you are when you could be getting better? Why hide deficiencies instead of overcoming them? Why look for friends or partners who will shore up your self-esteem instead of ones who will also challenge you to grow? And why seek out the tried and true instead of experiences that will stretch you? Passion for stretching yourself and sticking to it, even or especially when it's not going well, is a hallmark of the growth mindset. This is the mindset that allows people to thrive during some of the most challenging times in their lives. End quote. This has been some really nice concluding takeaways. Thank you. You uh, are obviously inherently skilled at finding these things. No, I just put in a lot of effort. And by that, I mean, I, I read stuff. Oh, 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 God. <laughs> you got me. <laughs> I gotcha. That was so ham fisted that it would be hard not to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so I, I should rephrase that. You put in a lot of effort and obviously it paid off. And those were some nice takeaways. Thank you. And with that, thank you for tuning in and listening to our third episode of the podcast. And we hope to see you again. Take care. No, 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 no. I am a loser.